0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not of your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, LifeHouse family. Let's give it up for Evan. for are reading God's word. Let's, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to pray. And we are going to prepare our hearts, minds, and spirits to receive God's word today. You know how we do at LifeHouse. House. If you know the deal, you know we get up and we honor God's word and we prepare ourselves to receive God's word. Evan, I think this is your phone, brother. Oh, thanks, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah. So there will be a prayer on the screen behind me, and then we're, uh, and we're going to pray it together. And the reason we do this, I feel like I share this every week, just so you, just so you can know the why behind the what is because we believe that, that when we submit ourselves to God's Word that uh, and, and, we're, and and we're actually here because I don't know about you, how many of you you can be somewhere but you ain't really there. You can be there physically, but emotional psych like just because with all that you have going on out there, you can be kind of torn. So you're here, but you're not really here. You're here in your physical body, but you're maybe not here emotionally. You're maybe not here psych- psychologically. And so this prayer, what I pray it does is it centers us. And it, and it kind of says, I am separating this time, Lord, to submit to you, to submit to your word, to hear from you, because one word, for word from God can change everything. And so we, so we believe that as we pray, it kind of says, Lord, I'm here. I'm available Speak to me, all right? So the prayer will be on the screen behind me. If you wouldn't mind, one more time, lift up hands. We're gonna pray this prayer together. I'm gonna start off, would you join in with me? Spirit of God, you are here and you are moving, speaking, challenging, comforting, convicting, informing me to be like Jesus. Today, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, In our spirits to discern what you are saying to us. Let us be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And everyone said, amen. You can have a seat. Give someone a high five before you take a seat. And you can take a seat. Kristen and I wanted to just say thank you for just an incredible pastor appreciation last Sunday. Appreciate every gift, every encouraging word. And just from the bottom of our hearts, we just want to say thank you so, so much. It's a great joy, honor to to lead LifeHouse and you guys make it easy. But but just sincerely, every card, every gift given, we just sincerely wanted to say thank thank you. Also wanted to let you know next Sunday, uh, Christmas at LifeHouse is starting. How many of you are ready for the Christmas season? All right, we got a joyful, jolly crowd here. I like it, I like it. So starting next week, uh, we are going to be having some special Sundays in in December. So we're going to put the calendar up just so you can be informed. Next Sunday is Ugly Sweater Sunday. We're actually going to be doing a contest for the ugliest sweater. Winner, winner in each service gets a $100 gift card to help you with your Christmas shopping. So make sure next Sunday you're wearing your ugly sweater. We're going to be sending out instructions for that. December 10th, is, we're going to have our kids singing in service. December 17th, we're going to have Pictures with Santa Claus and look, don't don't judge us, okay? We know Santa's just the fun. We don't really believe in Santa Claus. We're not teaching our kids in children's church that Santa Claus is real, okay? It's just you know we're just gonna have some fun taking pictures with Santa December seventeenth, and then December twenty fourth is Christmas Eve at Lifehouse. Just want to encourage you this month. Don't be afraid to invite your friends and family. Why? Because we believe they're gonna be loved, they're gonna hear God's word, and they're gonna know the true meaning of the Christmas season as they come and join us here at Lifehouse. So every, everybody, good. All right, well, hey, I'm excited to actually preach today. This is the last message of our Jesus and series. It, 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 it is so, it is so. We've gone through this pretty much the whole year, and we have been looking at Jesus and so many topics, so many things, and prayerfully, it has, it has let you see a side of Jesus that maybe you haven't seen before. Um, because I don't know about you, we can have a diluted view of Jesus, A diluted view because we can let other people's opinions or we can let what someone else has said or we can let someone else's jaded view, jade our view, of Jesus, so with the sermon series, we really wanted to say, what does Jesus have to say about some of the most important things in our culture? So we're actually concluding it today. We're going to start our Christmas series next next week, and then in the new year, I'm so excited to to just share with you the the revelation that I feel the Lord giving me for our church for 2024 and where the Lord's leading us. I'm just really excited and just really believe the Holy Spirit is behind it. Uh, but excited to conclude today, and um, I want to start off with this thought that as followers of Jesus. We don't compartmentalize our discipleship. We understand that discipleship to Jesus is holistic. And what I mean by that is, is simply what we teach at Lifehouse is that when we start to follow Jesus, and and that's, that's the verbiage we use is follow Jesus. Like Jesus is our Lord, he's our Savior, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose and defeated Satan's sin, and death. He is Lord of our lives. He saved us, but Jesus is not just Lord. He's not just Savior. Jesus is to be followed. What did Jesus say when he went to his disciples? He said, follow me. And when he said, follow me, what he was saying is not just know what I know, not just have the information, but model your life after my life. So when we use the words follow Jesus, what, what we teach in Life Track is we teach this. We mean, when you follow Jesus, you go all in. Meaning you don't say, hey, Jesus, you can have, and the, kind of the language we use is poker, like kind of the whole deal, right? When you say you're going all in, what does that like mean? That means you are like all the chips you have of your life. And each one of those chips resembles like, or could be a part of your life. You take all those chips and you go all in with Jesus. Because it's easy for us to be like, well, Jesus, I'm going to give you a couple of, of these dollar chips. I'm going to put in a couple of those white ones that don't mean a whole lot. And, and, and when Jesus, like following Jesus was never meant to be something we just give, we, we go half butted on. It was never meant to be something we give him a piece of our, of our lives. Following Jesus is something we go all in. so whenever we say we don't compartmentalize, what I'm saying is, is we don't say, Jesus, you can have this area but not this area. And whenever we go all in, what we are asking Jesus to do is to help us rethink. Because when Jesus used the word repent, he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that's one word you would hear Jesus say a whole lot is repent. And that word's been torn apart in in our culture. Repent literally means in the Greek language to rethink. But in other words, when we follow Jesus, we rethink every area of our lives according to what he has to say about it. So if someone's going to change, it's not Jesus. It's us. In, in, in our culture, unfortunately, when we viewed something differently than from what Jesus in God's word says, many times we try to change that instead of us changing. But that's not the way that it was, in, that's not the way that it was intended to be. When we follow Jesus, we go all in, we, we, we repent, we rethink, and then we say, Jesus, I'm going to let you dictate how I view things, how I live, because ultimately I am called to follow you. So I wanted to say that because this is important as we're talking about today's topic is we're going all in. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. Do we have that scripture? We do not have that scripture. So I'm gonna say it from memory. Somebody asked Jesus, he said, what is the greatest commandment? Like which one is the most important, right? Because how many of y'all know we tried to label or we tried to, Put uh, levels on sins. That's what this guy was doing. What's the most important? Because I want to do the most important thing. And Jesus said, hey, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You know what Jesus was doing there? He was being holistic. He said, don't just love me with your heart, your feelings. Don't just love me with your mind and your thoughts. Don't just love me with your soul, with your desire. Love me with your strength. And that word strength could also be translated body. This bag of bones we've been given. This part of us that houses our spirits and houses our souls and that that we carry things like our, our physical body. He said, love the Lord God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, But let's just be honest, many of us want to just love God with our heart or our mind or our soul, and we forget the fact that this body is actually one of the ways we show God we love him. And I love what C.S. Lewis says when he was talking about this mindset, how we can compartmentalize our faith. He said this, When I was a child, I often had a toothache, and I knew that when I went to my mother, she would give me something which would deaden the pain for the night and then let me go to sleep. But I did not go to my mother at least Not till the pain became very bad. And the reason I did not go was this. I did not doubt she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she would also do something else. I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more, which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from the pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists, I knew they started fiddling about with all sorts of other teeth, which had not yet begun to ache. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. If it gave an inch, they would take a mile. Now, if I put it that way, our Lord is like the dentist. If you give him an inch, he wants a mile. Dozens of people go to him to be cured of some particular sin, which, which they are ashamed of, or which is obviously spoiling their daily life. Well, he will cure it all right, but he will not stop there. That may be all you ask, but once you call him in, he will give you the full Treatment. And this is what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to give you the full treatment. Not just part treatment, not just help a tooth, but for the full treatment. But many times we like, just take away the pain, not the, don't give me the full treatment, Jesus. But Jesus is so good, He'll take away the pain and then He'll love you towards helping you see you need full treatment. So that's what we want to talk about today. I want to talk about a part of the full treatment. I want to talk to you today about Jesus and the body. The body. Everyone take your hands and hold them up. Shake your legs a little. This physical part of you. How many messages have you heard about this physical part of you? Like, what are we supposed to do with this? That's full of desire. That's full of inclinations and proclivities and brokenness. And is is this full of just blessing and burden? Some and, and, and really what I find when it comes to the body in the church, and when it comes to with mainly anything in the church, we have a great proclivity to fall into one of two ditches. Where these ditches are, number one, like, we idolize the body. We we basically put it above God. If we feel it, we do it. Its preservation and its pleasure are the most important things to us. So basically, if we feel it, well, God, why would God give me a desire I can't act on? Right? So then we end up blaming God. I got these feelings and these desires and I want to do these things. So then we're we're like, we take the desires of the physical body and its pleasure and its its preservation and we actually put it above God. And what we actually do is we put it as an idol above God. And this is the way a lot of our culture is telling you to live. If you feel it, do it. If it seems good, why not? Just, I got the desire, right? That's one ditch we can fall, fall into. The second ditch is we can not just idolize, but we can demonize. We can demonize the body. Where, and I mean, in some, some religions teach this, where it's like desire is the worst thing you can have, and what you have to do is to actually crush desire. Because desire is the thing that's actually keeping you from living happy. So we either idolize the body or we demonize the body. And really, whenever you demonize the body, it's basically the feelings and desires are bad, and we should run from them. The body is this enemy to us that's keeping us from gaining true love and happiness. And that is where we can fall into idolize, do whatever we want, or we demonize it, and we're and and, and really, and I think Christians for the most part can fall into one of, of these two ditches. We can say, well, the body is you know, the body's gonna die one day, so what's the point of you know, treating it right, of eating right and working out and j- j- just treating it? What's the point of it? We're gonna die and go to heaven anyway. And, and I just think these two ways are, are actually ant- antithetical to the holistic nature and the full treatment that Jesus asked us to live in. We don't idolize, we don't demonize. I'm gonna actually make up a word, we stewardize. We don't idolize, we don't demonize. What we actually do with this body that God has entrusted to us is we stewardize the body. And this word steward simply means you manage something that has been entrusted to you. Meaning it's not yours. Meaning you have actually been given it, but it is not yours, it is on loan to you. It is something that you are then to steward and manage for the benefit of the one that entrusted it to you. That's what a steward does. And Jesus told parables about this. He said, I gave one person five talents, three talents, one talent. And he gave them to these people. He told this parable about it. And he basically said, like, this is not yours. This is mine. So then if you, if you have something that is not yours, you should probably treat it better because you're going to be held accountable for the way you treat what is not yours. And it's just funny how, isn't it true we treat stuff better? Like we treat someone else's stuff normally better than we treat our own stuff? Like, it's wild. If, if, if I was wearing someone else's shoes and they were Jordans, well, I'm walking like a duck. Because I, I don't, I, I don't want to crease them. If I'm driving someone else's car, it's funny how you'll drive rental cars different, though. Rental cars from, like, Enterprise. I don't know about y'all. I'm flooring that sucker every second I get. I might be in a Toyota Camry. I'm racing Dodge Chargers. I'm like. But when we're borrowing a friend's car, normally we're more careful. We think about it different. Why? Because we know it's not ours. So we treat it different. And that's what, what, what actual the call is with these physical bodies we have. We don't idolize. We don't demonize. We stewardize. We realize this body we have is on loan from the creator. And therefore, we live in light of it. And I want to share with you a a scripture that talks about this specific thing. Paul, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul would write letters. So a lot of the letters you see in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, these these were written to people and churches that were in the grind of the daily church life, the daily church thing. So Paul would go to different cities and he would plant churches and then he would set in place leaders and then he would leave to go and start a different church because he was then apostle. That's what apostles did. Apostles go into a specific area. They have the spiritual gift of starting a specific work of setting in place leaders and then being like, y'all, y'all good? I got another call. So then Paul would move to the next city. Start a church and he would do the same thing. But then Paul, after he planted the church, he would hear about certain things going on. He would get reports. He'd be like, yo, did you hear about the church in Corinth and what they're doing? The church that I planted? Who's the pastor? He'd have a few words with him, right? So then he would write letters to these churches and address certain things. And so what we're going to actually jump in on is, and is actually Paul addressing in the context sexual sin. But in this context, he's, he's trying to get them to see the full treatment nature that following Jesus is. So we're gonna actually pick up on the scripture that we read earlier. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20. He says, do you not know? I just love his language. Like, do you not know? Bruh, do you not know? That your what? Bodies. Are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If there were a couple scriptures that I would encourage you to memorize, you know the power of memorizing God's word? When Jesus was tempted, he did not respond back by saying, well, Joe Rogan said. He did not respond back, Socrates, he said, it is written. There's power when you have the truth in you because it's hard to fight lies if you don't have truth. It's hard to know what God says if you don't know what God says. I would encourage you to learn these. We're gonna break this verse down and just walk through it and see the importance of how important our bodies are in our discipleship and following Jesus. Paul starts off, he said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Here's an insane thought. God does not any longer dwell in temples. God dwells in people. Even in the Old Testament, it was basically God, that's why God said, build me a temple and I will dwell there. But Jesus came in and whenever you hear that language, the the veil was torn. Essentially saying the veil between sinful people and a holy God has been torn to where now there is no separating barrier of God being in a place. God now dwells in people. That's why we can now have church in a movie theater. We ain't got to be in a church building. We don't have to be in a, in a place and say, well, God's in a place. Because God no longer chooses to dwell in a place. He chooses to make his dwelling in his people. His people become the temples that he dwells in. Just let that thought resonate. Holy Spirit, make that, reveal that to all of us. You, everyone say me. Say I am the place where God wants to dwell. Do you not know your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's the third part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not the redheaded stepchild of God. The Holy Spirit is God. When Jesus left, he said, I'm gonna give you a helper to be with you, the spirit of God. I I just, when I was thinking of a slide to do, I couldn't think of of it any other way. This is probably the best slide I've ever made. You, (laughs) the emphasis here, the syllables. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and when my dad was mad, Ben, he would give me syllable beatings. Y'all ever had them? <laughs> Don't you ever dude? You were hoping he wasn't gonna say super catch a fragile list against me allados. <laughs> that would have been the longest beatdown ever. But I want you to get this. You are the place where God wants to call home. And he's saying, because of this fact that you are the place where God wants and is going to dwell, he's like, do you not know that God doesn't dwell in places anymore? He dwells in people. C.S. Lewis also said this. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on and you knew these jobs needed doing and so you are not surprised but presently he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense what on earth is he up to The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of throwing out a new wing here putting on an extra floor there running up towers making courtyards you thought you were being made into a decent little college or excuse me cottage but he is building a palace, he intends to come and live in it himself. Some of y'all feel that because some of y'all feel like there's a complete renovation going on inside of you and it hurts, it hurts. When God comes in, you're thinking, all right, he's gonna gonna put a coat of paint on the wall. Then he starts busting out walls and you're like, ooh, that was load-bearing. Because some of y'all lean on the wrong stuff. So he's got to take some of them load-bearing walls out. And it's not because he's trying to hurt you. It's because he's trying to create a place for him to come and dwell. He's moving in. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, whom you've received from God? Then he says this, and this is, you talk about a countercultural statement. That even when I feel like you say it, people get angry. He says this, you, you are not your own. In a democracy where everyone wants a vote, everyone wants to have their individual rights and praise God for that. But we have to understand where that is a good thing and where that ends up being a bad thing. That's good in, in as far as politics. This is a That's a bad statement in the kingdom of God. I am my own. But what people do is because this is the culture we're in, and we have freedom, we have specific rights, and we want individual, we, we live in a self individualistic culture where our truth is the truth. Subjective truth, unfortunately, is overtaking objective truth. It's so important that we realize that when Paul says this, he is stating a fact that you are not your own. The reason he says this is because he wants them to realize your body has been given to you by God in order that you might live to glorify him with your body. can can you all feel that can you all feel the tension in our culture because we say things like this is my body i do what i want like saying like i do what i want is not a statement that people in the kingdom of god live we say it's his body it's his decision no. says you're not your own then he says this you were bought at a price because he wants them to remember what Jesus did for them. Because I don't know about, we can we can get into this like, well, I do this for God, God does this for me. And it's kind of this like tit for tat thing where we try to like bargain with God. And so then we're like, well, God, because I did a few bad things here, I'll do a few good things here to make up for the bad things that I did. And we, and we try to use our own human will. we We try to use this kind of, bargaining game with God to make sure we by the end of our lives we have enough good that outmeasures the bad right instead what Paul was trying to make them realize you are not your own you were bought at a price meaning he'd be like he's he's like he's like I want to remind you where you were when you started to follow Jesus you just were not it's not a good person versus being a bad person it's about a dead person versus an alive person You just were not bad. You were dead. Scripture says Ephesians 2, you were dead in your sins and in your transgressions. You were were spiritually dead. You were a slave to the devil. You were a slave to your body. You were a slave to what? You were a slave, and what he's saying is, is don't forget that you have been bought back by God. And the word there is redeemed. That when you hear Christians Christian say, I've been redeemed, that word redeemed means to buy back. That you have been bought back. You've, you have been redeemed. And I love what it says in 1 Peter 1. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, A lamb without blemish or defect. He's reminding them of the gospel. That the price for you being redeemed was Jesus. Was his body. It was his sinless body that was sacrificed for your sinful body. It was his sinless self that was the price to redeem and buy you back. And this is so important when we're talking about like you are not your own. Let me tell you why you are not your own. What he's saying is you could not free yourself. You could not forgive yourself. You could not save yourself. You needed to be saved, and that's what Jesus came to do. It's to save you. is to redeem you. is to buy you back and redeem you for your original created purpose, which was to glorify God this is the good news of Jesus Christ, friends. This is the good news, that you have been redeemed, you have been brought back. And he's laying this foundation because he wants them to know, hey, do you have a problem with with the statement, you are not your own? Let me just remind you of who you really were before you started to follow Jesus. You You were a slave. So then he goes into the therefore, right? And that word therefore Whenever you see the therefore, you have to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, so in other words, you have to go back to what was before to make sense of what you're about to hear. So therefore, this watch is giving me notifications like crazy and I'm like, stop it. Um, What is the therefore, therefore? So then he says this, therefore, honor God with your bodies. So he says, hey, look, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to dwell there. Your body ain't yours, it's God. And the reason you even have it back is because God bought it back for you. So in order, because since God has given it back to you, since you have your life back, therefore, let me tell you what you should do with what has been given back to you by God. Honor God with our bodies. Now, honor God with your bodies could be interpreted in many different ways. But specifically, context is important. When we're looking at 1 Corinthians 6 here, the actual context of when he's using it, like I said, is in the context of sex, but it's also in the context of food. So I want to actually read the context of these scriptures and give you some context because I think whenever we're talking about how do we honor God with our bodies, we have to get a little granular and a little specific because if you don't know what that word honor means, you'll just interpret it to be whatever you want it to be. And that, unfortunately, that is what happens. When we don't define terms, we end up operating from different dictionaries. The reason some of you have so much conflict in your marriage is you and your wife are operating by different dictionaries. And sometimes you need to define terms. When you say, but you don't love me, what does love mean to you? Right? What, what does that actually mean? And so whenever we say honor, I want to give you some definition for this word honor and what it, what it specifically means in this context, but also too, how do we take this message of honoring God's word? It's not our own, like, how should we honor him? But I want to read the context here. Can we pull up First Corinthians 6, starting at verse number 12? This is what he says. He says, you say. So what he's saying is, the people in Corinth say, right? Because, because remember, Paul is writing this to a specific people, the church in Corinth, which Corinth was a pretty godless place. So they have people inside of the church that are kind of like brand new Christians. They don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. Like They're like, we follow Jesus. We love what he did on the cross. It's great. But what does this actually mean for me right here, right right now? And so, and so he actually brings up something they say. He says, hey, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. But then Paul responds back, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is good for you. He said, even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Some people, they want freedom. They're like, I just want to be able to do what I want to do. And this is the way my kids are right, right now. My 12, soon to be 13 year old, just wants freedom. He don't realize he wants freedom to pay his own bills. He doesn't realize he wants freedom to fill his own fridge. He realizes he, does, he, he actually, where on my edge acts, this is the best time of your life, baby. Like You're paying your mortgage, paying pay, pay, pay your bills, you being taken care of, you want freedom to be able to do whatever you want, but also with the freedom to do whatever you want, you also got to have the freedom to take on responsibility. But we can do this very same thing with God. I just want to be free. I don't want to have rules. I don't want to have boundaries. I'm just tired of God telling me what I can and cannot do. And you want that until you actually realize that in your desire for freedom, you become a slave to the very things you wanted freedom to do. Why does God give me a boundary to, well, I can't drink or I can't get drunk, and then you realize you can't even say no to alcohol. So now the God has just changed. And that's what he is saying here. He's like, yeah, but, she's like, yeah, you want to do anything? Okay, I mean, that's, that's fine, but just know, as you're in your desire for freedom, you can actually become a slave. Then he says this, you say, food was made for the stomach, and the stomach for food. He's actually saying a statement that was kind of one, one of those cultural statements. So kind of how we have, like, what is a cultural statement we use in the United States? That's kind of just like generically held, right? Like what is good for the goose is good for the, this is kind of a cultural, what's that specific English word though? Where it's like a a, a cultural statement. I don't know. I probably should have, have researched this, huh? What? Anyway, okay. It's kind of just, just just kind of like a cultural statement, right? And so that is what he is pulling out here. He's saying, People in Corinth say, well, hey, if it's, you know, food for the stomach, stomach for the food. It's basically, if you got the desire, you eat. If you want to have sex, you do it. He's, He's saying, like, just because you have a desire doesn't make the desire worth acting on. He says, food for the stomach, stomach for the food. He says, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. He says this, and God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. He says, don't you realize that our bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man then take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Because what was going on here, prostitute worship, and kind of what was very big in Corinth, and some of this stuff had actually infiltrated its way into the church. And what Paul was trying to let them know is, hey, you got to understand what sex is. It's not just a physical act, it's also spiritual. He says, so you're gonna take a part of Christ and then join it with a prostitute. He says, never. He says, don't you realize that a man that joins himself with a prostitute or someone that is not his wife, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. He says, but the person that is joined with the Lord is one in spirit with him. And then that's when he goes into, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who you may have received from God, you are not your own, you're bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. So we can see here the the context here for honoring their bodies is actually food and sex. And I want to talk to you about, a little bit about those things. If you have children in here, I'm sorry. <laughs> but how do we honor God with our bodies? Sexual purity. Sexual purity. 1 Corinthians 6 18, right after the scriptures we just read, I actually forgot a scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. Paul says, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against who? Your own body. I've been guilty of saying all sins are the same. And technically, scripture says, if you break one, you've broken them all. Though all sins technically might be the same, some sins specifically in scripture have greater consequences. And that is what Paul is saying here. And listen, I don't come to you as in a judgmental way at all. I don't come to you saying like, yo, like I, I, I lived a perfect sexual life. I, I, I came, I was sexually active before I got married, one of the greatest regrets of my life. So I don't come to you saying, oh, you know, be perfect like me. I come to you saying thank you for the grace of God to redeem and restore. But it says here, no sin clearly affects the body as this one does. And I just think it needs to be said in our culture that is literally saying if you feel it, do it. It wants to separate sex just as being the exchange of bodily fluids instead of the mingling of souls and spirits. Friends, you have to have wisdom. We have to have wisdom. You have to know sex is more than just a pure physical thing. It is a spiritual thing. Why do you think there is so much damage and brokenness in our world? Mental health, I mean, I I think it could be with the rise of casual consequence that we think free sex. It has just made this so much more out there. And I just want to encourage you, if you are not married, if you are not in a covenant marriage, don't sin against God and yourself by sexually being active in a way that does not honor God. I don't say that in a judgmental way. I say that this is the God who loves you, who says your body is not your own. You are bought with a price, honor him. And what he is saying here is the way you dishonor your body is by connecting with somebody sexually that is not your husband or wife. A fire is great if it is in a fireplace. A fire causes hell when it's out in a forest. Sex is a God-given gift that God said the proper place and context for it is in the fireplace of a covenant marriage. But when the fire gets out of the covenant marriage and gets into a place where it it could spread a wildfire. Sex will make you do dumb things. Some of you can be with people in a relationship you know you shouldn't be with because the the sex, it filters your judgment and the reason it filters your judgment is because it affects your soul. Everyone doing okay? Welcome to Life House, if this is your first time here. This is, this is a, loving, a loving word to our people. Why, because it, it doesn't just dishonor God, it, dishonor, it dishonors the very core of your body because your body was called to be one with God and one with someone else. And so my heart and my call is that we would examine this part of our lives and we would quit being flippant with something that God calls holy. Because the culture will beat you down. I mean, you listen to podcasts, you listen to stuff out there, it's just like sex is something that can just be played with. It's just, you know what, if it feels good, do it. But it's actually affecting our souls. The second part is physical health and nutrition. And here, when when I say this, I'm not not advocating a certain body style. I'm not saying be sexy like Jesus, get shredded like the Lord. You know, I'm I'm not saying that. What I am saying is do you even invite the Lord into your food choices? Do you even invite the Lord into your diet? Because I believe one of the reasons why we have a problem saying no to harmful thoughts and feelings is because we can't even say no to donuts. How can we say no to something spiritual if we can't even say no to something physical? It's even a huge reason why fasting is such a powerful spiritual weapon against the enemy is because fasting teaches you to say no. It teaches you to say, body in your desire, you are not king over me. I rule you. You don't rule me. Because unfortunately what we have is we have people that are just being manipulated by their own bodies of cravings. And just know, y'all, and this is so hard because in our culture, you're going to drive by a hundred fast food restaurants on the way home. that are like, eat me. Krispy Kreme, the red light going to be on. That's gonna say buy me. So this is countercultural, y'all. And the the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think a lot of the reasons why we struggle in our discipleship is because we struggle practically with our diets. And y'all, this is something I don't come to you saying I'm perfect on, right? Like by I've been working, I mean, thankfully about 10, about 10 years ago, I finally started to invite the Lord into my eating and figuring out what's good to eat and what's not good because y'all there's so many things you should be a carnivore you should carbs are the devil and then you guys you should even eat a bunch of carbs you shouldn't eat meat at all you should be a vegetarian and you should you know a pescatarian and all of these different things this is the way to do it and the thing is everybody is different so i am not advocating a certain way i am just advocating invite the lord into your food decisions Because here's the reason why. You have lobbyists, you have people are simply trying to get you to buy their product. And they will manipulate your taste buds to get you to do it. That's what I'm saying. All this stuff that you become addicted to probably has processed stuff in it to make you desire what you are eating. And then it just makes you want more of it. Do some research on that. Be careful you will see how a lot of what we are consuming is simply what we have been programmed and simply manipulated to want more of. It it manipulates our blood sugar. So for breakfast, cereal and orange juice spikes your blood sugar really high and, and, and then it goes down and guess what you want when your blood sugar spikes? What do you want more of? Food. So then you eat breakfast and what do you want at noon? God, I gotta eat lunch. So you have burgers and fries, spikes your blood sugar. Then it goes down. Then what do you want three, four hours later? I need dinner. And then it's, and, and y'all, what it's doing is you are on this roller coaster energy, not energy. And, and all I'm saying is, would you invite the Lord in to say, Lord, will I start including honoring my body and viewing this as the temple where you are going to dwell? Since you're going to be the temple where, where I dwell, I want to put inside of it things that honor you and not make me a slave to my body, but let my body become a place where I can separate myself and make wise decisions instead of doing what my body wants me to do because it's been manipulated for me to do it. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all hearing my heart? the new year's coming would be a great time to start and and possibly invite the Lord in to say, Lord, I want to start learning. And y'all it's small steps over a long period of time, honestly. And I'm not saying every donut you eat, pastor John said I can't eat donuts. And then you feel guilty. I'm not saying be guilty. I'm not saying fall into legalism. All I'm saying is invite the Lord in. Like I said, it's kind of been levels. I, I, like I said, a couple months ago, I went and got a coach where, where, where like now I'm tracking my calories and, and, he, and I'm having to be accountable and that sucks. I have to fill out a 27 question. He's like, how did you do on the diet? And sometimes I gotta be like, well, I had a cupcake. But what is, it's opened my eyes to what I'm putting in my mouth. Awareness is normally the first step to change. If you aren't even aware of what you're putting in, how can you bring any change? So I'm I'm not advocating a body style. I'm not advocating. All I'm saying is, will you take the full treatment of Jesus and honor him by examining what you are putting into your temple? Because he's given you a body to steward. He's given you a body to cherish. You only get one of these, y'all. The third thing is, right, you, you think sexual, purity, physical health, nutrition, physical activity, sleep, other disciplines that could help you live healthy. But then I think the third way we honor God is we, we ask the question, is blank creating a healthy place for God to dwell? I don't know about you, questions can be more powerful than commands. Because questions force you to look inside questions force you to evaluate things this is why I thought growing up my mom was such a punk don't watch this don't listen to this don't don't this that and the other thing and I was so angry about it back then but I get it now because how many of you know when you watch something Jesus said this your eyes are the window to your soul it's hard to unsee things it's hard to unhear things so I'm not advocating like, don't listen to stuff. But it's just saying, like, just be, is watching this movie, creating a place for God to dwell. Is listening to this music creating a place for God to dwell? This is what I'm asking. I'm asking you to invite the Lord in, as followers of Jesus Christ, holistic mind, body, soul, spirit. Invite Him in to say, Lord, are you, am I creating a palace? Am I working with you to create this palace where God can dwell? Romans chapter 12, we're gonna conclude here. This is what it says. Paul said this. This was a different letter than Paul wrote. He said, I beseech you. This is New King James, so we're going back. King James verse. He says, I beseech you. Beseech means to like almost beg. Like I, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Say it louder one more time. Bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What he's saying is back in the day, sacrifices were killed and that was how they sacrificed. But what he's saying is as followers of Jesus, you don't kill yourself and, and you sacrifice, You the, the way you sacrifice yourself is you are a living sacrifice. Meaning you are dying daily. You're dying daily. And these sacrifices that you give, it's not to get anything from God. It's in response to what God has already done, the greatest sacrifice which God has already done. That's why he says this. He says, which is your reasonable service. What he's saying is it's like the most logical thing you can deduct to do with your bodies based on what Jesus has done for you is to give it back to him as a living sacrifice and honor him with the body that is not yours that God gave you. And as you honor him with it, it is only the most logical thing we could do with something we don't even own. Y'all hear me? Give it back to him as reasonable service. And he says, do not be conformed to this world. That's what the world wants you to do, conform to it. Be transformed the renewing of your mind, then you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Will you stand up with me? My heart today is you heard. My heart today is that you heard God's heart for you. He wants what's best for you, He wants to give you the full treatment. He doesn't want a piece of you. He wants all of you. And he wants to be invited in into every piece so you can take this body that God gave you and you can honor him with it. And I just want us to respond to God's word today. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this word where you've challenged us to think about our bodies, think about this bag of bones we have and say, God, how can we honor you and glorify you in it? So Lord, Holy, so Holy Spirit, I trust you today to communicate what I communicated in a way people need to hear it. I pray that they didn't hear judgment. I pray they heard love. I pray they heard you inviting them into a better way of life. I feel that they pray, God, I pray that they feel prompted to respond to what you did. The only reasonable response we have is to give you back these bodies that you gave to us. Not to earn anything from you, but because of your love for us. Because you bought us back. You redeemed us. So Lord, what our response individually and corporate be? we present these back to you with a living sacrifice in all we do. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to receive communion together here in just one second. Before we do, Scripture tells us before we receive, before we receive communion together, we are to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And maybe some of you today, you need to do some business with God, and maybe you need to make a decision today to give yourself to God. Maybe you've never made the conscious decision to do that. Maybe you grew up in church, maybe you've been in church, but just being in church doesn't mean you've given anything to God. And so maybe today you need to like, make the decision that Jesus says is to repent, is to turn from your ways and to follow him. So maybe today you need to do that. Maybe today you, you need to make a decision, like draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, I, I give my all to you. I I want to be yours. I want to give my body, my soul, my mind, my spirit to you today. If that is you, I just want to invite you on the count of I'm gonna count to three when I do. If you would just say the word yes. If you would just say the word yes, or maybe at one point you had given yourself to God, but you you know right now, God, you're you're not a living sacrifice. You've come off the altar and you're doing your own thing. And maybe you need to give your life back to Him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe that's you today. I just want to invite you to just say. Yes, and I believe as you say yes, what it does is it opens the door to your heart, mind, and spirit to, to receive him So, just with every about, every I close, it, this is you on a count of three, if you would just say yes and respond to God's word today. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite those of you who said yes. I want to lead you in a prayer. There's, there's nothing magical or special about this prayer. It's simply me taking your hand and putting it in Jesus' hand. So, just if you said that prayer today, you, or you said yes today, and I just want to invite all of us to, to join in with those that said yes, and let's just join in together for, a, for just the heart of unity and synergy here. Let, let's pray this, and I just, like I said, I just want to take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand because he's the savior. It's not a church, it's not a preacher, it's not a pastor. It's Jesus, the one that you are being led to. It's him, and he loves you. So if you just pray this prayer right after me, Jesus, give me the full treatment. I give you my mind, my heart, my soul, and my strength. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place for my sin and buying me back and defeating my greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. Jesus, I will follow you no matter what. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message, you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.